74 Tango Whiskey, 2.6 for 3,000, uh, 140 on Oh, yeah. The only which, they clearly, which they blew on. Okay, we're still lying in. You have no currency. Although he did have a, a good year this year, all things considered. But the D'Angelo one is the mystifying. Yeah, that's next season's uh, second that, winner. Yeah. That move was the, wow. Like Chuck Fletcher for his, like, insane, you know, aggressive retool to get. That was your prize. Yeah. That was your centerpiece of your aggressive retool. Like absolutely pathetic, like it, it's it's crazy that that they gave up that much stuff, and and in that Russ Joy um, Twitter space, there was a fan, Mike. I don't know if you were uh, in there at that time, but this fan asked about should the Flyers get back Shane Goss to spare, and I I, I didn't threw, hear that I threw my hands in the air and I went, oh my god. These people are still on the Shane Gossespear freaking train. Enough. Move forward. I don't think Shane Gossespear wants to come back, first and foremost. He wouldn't. But, uh, he wouldn't. God, people, no they're way. fucking focus on former Flyers. There's, I could spend three hours on that topic alone. Gossespear, well, fucking whatever. Not even, not even, not even, <laughs> fucking. <sighs> it's, it's unbelievable. Like, this... For everybody that's like, I hate former Flyers and I don't want them in the front office. I hate these dinosaurs that are the senior advisors. I hate all these people that were once affiliated with the. But you know what? I'd love to get Shane Goss. We want Goss to spare and Alex Lyon back. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a sickness. It's a sickness. (laughs) Oh, God. Stupid team. (laughs) Well, they're. So what do you guys make of the Flyers of the Flyers um, a draft luck at number seven here? You know, I, I'm not sure what I I'm not convinced that they're getting a franchise player there. I think that they're going to get somebody decent, but I'm not too happy about it. You think they do anything when it comes to acquiring more picks and or moving up? I, I'm i not a draft guru. I don't give a shit who they take at seven. It feels like anybody beyond the first three are all just a random assortment of dudes that they're going to get one of, whether it's Benson or fucking Will Smith or whatever the Christy other guy. It doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. It is interesting, you know, especially since they don't have a second-round pick. They got two-thirds and two-fourths, which I believe are going to be in the seven to one-thirty-ish range, I believe, the third and fourth rounder ends up being. But, you know, Breer talked about moving up. I find that almost impossible given where the flyers are at right now asset wise to even move up but you do have guys like connecting and Provorov to sell that may snag you an extra first rounder at least a couple pair of second rounders (laughs) um we broke down on the noah show i believe uh there are quite a few teams that have multiple picks in the first and second round this year that you can kind of um smart trade or two make something happen so i would assume you know if you're gonna rebuild and that's your battle cry you missed out on the uh, Bedard sweepstakes, but 
adding an extra first, second, you know, couple first, something like that. Getting a little bit of ammo here when it comes to selecting players definitely helps pass along the theory of a rebuild if you start selling and, and adding extra assets, and this would be the draft to do it. So I don't know if they're moving up, but, uh, you know, I would assume they're going to at least try, hopefully, to get an extra couple picks here in the mid to late first round and um, walk away with a better haul than just a first round pick, seventh overall, and then not draft again until the third round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this kind of goes back to my fear with torts is like, okay, so let's say that um, Danny and Keith are, are like, yeah, you know, we we need to trade Ivan Provorov for a first round pick this year. We got to get back in the first round. We need to get, you know, the like 16th overall pick and torts who isn't going to be here by the time any of these draft picks are probably even in the NHL says, you know, what's he going to say? No, don't do that. We need to keep. You Provorov can't move my guy or, right now. Yeah. yeah, he's our he's our minutes eater. You know, he plays 27 minutes a night. We have to keep him. Or if we do trade him, we have to get an NHL. We can't trade Connect me. We like, like him too much. He's too critical. But and all of a sudden, like your two top trade chips are out. And then you're fine. Yeah. 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 So how do those conversations work when they're talking about it? Because for all intents and purposes, they probably should be trading those guys now yeah. and really starting from scratch. Um, you know, whether that's a first rounder or, you know, another team's top prospect who's still a year or two away, it's going to be in that realm. And when coach, when, when Torch knows he's, he's retiring in the very near term, I don't know how that conversation goes. I I can't imagine that the Flyers trade up because who's going to trade down? I mean, I think Arizona could, but it doesn't make a fucking ton of sense to move up one spot and give up a shit ton of assets to make that. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I don't think they will. However, they've got Ottawa's number 12. So what if you trade Ivan Provorov to Arizona for the number 12 selection. Hmm. Now, why would Arizona enough? want to yeah, do what, that? what Arizona want with Ivan Provorov? They, they need a defenseman. They uh, need salary. For two years, basically. I mean, listen, they just traded Chikrin. Yeah. So they need a guy. Yeah, they need somebody to stabilize the back end with, with Keller right now. Right. I'm not uh-huh. saying 100% that this is like a great deal or anything, but yeah, yeah. what if that's a kind of a, a thing to work? They're not trading the six for that. But at 12, you know, d- does something else have to go with Provorov? Does something else have to come back with the 12? I don't know. How do you guys how do you guys feel about that? It would be the area that I think uh, I'm pulling up the frantically trying to pour up the draft order here. Capitals are 8th, Detroit is ninth. St. Louis is 10, Vancouver at 11, Arizona 12, Buffalo 13, Pittsburgh 14, Nashville 15, Calgary 16. Uh, Montreal is a, an additional first, then at 17, and Detroit at 18. So if you can get another pick in that 10 to 15 range, yes. um, that'd be the way to do it. I mean, maybe Pittsburgh would be open to somebody like Provorov or Konechny and, you know, in lieu of... Um, drafting, they can mm-hmm. give a, a main roster shot a chance, um, uh, you know, a little more run for Crosby and whatnot. So it's possible, exactly. you know, maybe Buffalo would be interested if they're looking for a kind of a bigger addition as well. Um, Calgary. 
Calgary potentially yeah there are teams there in that 10 to 15 range that I think you can make arguments for that if you want to deal Prorov and or Konechny you could maybe snag at least a pick in that nice range there that would be a nice consolation prize as far as the draft is concerned but I don't know yeah that'd be a good move I mean uh, at this point I'd probably do that because number one it's immediate it's in a deep draft you know you're not doing it you know three years from now um, number two, whoever they pick in that, you know, 10 to 16 range does f- apparently fit their timeline now because their timeline are, are players that are basically age like 24 and younger. Um, you know, I, I would probably do that if I were them, I would, I would, I would push really hard to try to make that happen. You know, it's going to, you know, they keep talking about pain. It's going to be pain, but you know, this is part of the process. It's a way to help themselves out with a rebuild. If you're fucking serious about rebuilding, do something to goddamn rebuild. Selling yeah. off your roster players and adding a nice first round pick in a deep draft like this mm-hmm. would be I a mean, way to would, do that. This would, I mean, something like that would literally be the, the first move that they have actually done to the roster that evidences a rebuild. If yeah. you look at the mm-hmm. roster, they've actually done nothing that evidences a rebuild, not nothing to the roster yet, not a single fucking move. That shows that they're rebuilding. Yeah. Right? Kept it. There's been nothing. Kept it as uh, too good to fail, not good enough to succeed for all of Chuck Fletcher's tenure. So, quite frankly, most of Hexall's tenure as well. He never fucking tore down that asshole. Because they finally started, you know, thinking, or it became more public through John Tortorella that they were rebuilding around the trade deadline last season. Obviously, they did nothing at the trade deadline to assist in a rebuild or win now or anything at all. And then, you know, you rewind to the last off season. They didn't do anything left off season to show the rebuilding either. Mm-hmm. They've done nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, they were an aggressive retool last summer, right? <laughs> we're in rebuilding. In, in terms of this new regime, where would you rank it in terms of your hopes for, you know, do you, do you think that it's going to be better than the Fletcher regime? Do you think it's going to be better than the Hextall regime? Or do you think it's going to be worse? Fuck Jesus Christ almighty. If this is worse, I don't know how much time I got left in me. Um, I think it'll be better. I think it's going to be hard to be worse. It's hard because they haven't done anything yet. Yeah. There's a lot of feel-good momentum right now, but it's about whether they capitalize on that. And that's where the... Again, we just talked about this for the last fucking two hours, is Breer and Jones having no experience. It's hard to put any faith in them before they make any moves first. And, you know, I will have a much better answer to that question in the middle of July when everything, you know, when the dust has settled from the summer in the off season. I think it's going to depend. I think it's a great question, Manny, but I think it's going to depend on how much of a step back the management team is willing to take. Yeah. Um, if they're not willing to move back that far and take, you know, a huge step back. If they're willing to, you know, flex a little bit, but you know, we still want to plan for the future. We still want to compete now sort of thing, or, you know, we want to ice a good product. Now, if, if they're going to do that, which is, uh, you know, a fucking page out of Hextall and Fletcher, they're screwed. They got no shot, but if they are literally going to walk the walk, they're talking the talk in the press conference. If they're going to walk the walk and, you know, start to, 
liquidate the roster to a certain extent. Fire sale. Danny Breer said no fire sale. Fuck that. I want a fucking fire sale now. Like, I want a lot of these guys gone. There are a handful of players that I'm good with keeping, but there's probably more, more than, more than not that I want gone. At least half of these players I want off this team. Yeah. Yes. Yes. At least half. If they're willing to do that, if they're willing to take a step back, a legitimate step back, then I would say the answer to that question would be yes, they will end up being better. If they are going to, try to walk the tightrope and well, we want to be competitive now while also looking towards the future. If they don't pick a direction and they just hope that, you know, the seven to 10th overall pick every year is going to fucking magically work their way sooner or later, you know, like Hextall did or like Chuck Fletcher did, you know, that's going to suck. You need to pick a fucking direction. And that yes. is not verbal. You know, that is the thing. And we've talked about picking direction for months and months and months and months now, if not fucking years at this point. It's not verbal. I don't give a shit. Breer can say the word rebuild until he's blue in the fucking face, and his face is looking real goddamn weird these days. But this guy <laughs> needs to pick a direction through his actions. If you're rebuilding, then make moves to fucking rebuild. And if you're not going to rebuild, if that doesn't entice you, and you want to keep having connecting, then bring me fucking Timo Meyer and fucking Alex DeBrincat. Let's start some shit here. You know, mm-hmm. pick a goddamn direction. You cannot have one foot in, one foot out approach anymore. You just mm-hmm. can't. That'll ultimately, I think, define the success, yeah. at least where this era falls compared to the previous two, based on the fact if they pick a direction or not. It, there's one thing. Listen, I am totally fine with giving something a chance and it fails because you tried. And this yeah. was really the mm-hmm. 2021 offseason with Fletcher when he brought in Ristolin and he brought in Ellis and he brought in like the fucker tried. You know, uh, there's something I can respect about that level, even though it all backfired. And it's why he had the benefit of the doubt from me going into the last year's summer. Now, he ultimately spit in my face and kicked me square in the nuts. But at the end of the day, you know, I had that going in, that faith, because it was there. You know, and then you lied to our faces with the aggressive retool. And they never, they didn't, it all fucking went to shit. You know, if you're going to rebuild and it ultimately doesn't amount to what you want, well, at least you fucking tried. If you program and connect and you make these moves, you tried. You know, if you bring me Alex to bring Cat and Meyer and you don't want to cup, you fucking tried. But sitting here with your thumb up your ass all summer long, keeping this roster nearly identical going into next season, you didn't try. And you don't have my respect at that point. You know, that is that is a key little tidbit here from how I approach this stuff is, is, you know, you, you, you wash my back. I'll wash yours kind of thing. I think my saving grace in this Manny is I, if I had to say now, my gut says, I do not think that Keith Jones will tolerate the one foot in one foot out approach any longer. Even if Danny isn't capable of executing either direction, I don't think Keith will allow his name to be tied with whatever one foot in one foot out looks like. Um, So that's kind of what I'm banking on. I think at the end of the day, he's not going to sit there, you know, and tease out, Oh, we're going to try to win with TK, you know, six years from now. Like, I don't think he's going to do that. Um, I think he's going to, he's going to push this ship in the proper direction. Uh, I hope I don't eat my words, but that's kind of where my gut says right now. So where in that situation, where does that power struggle work? If Jones 
isn't going to settle for this shit, but Briere is going to go, well, I can't make this move, or I don't want to make this move, and John Tortorella is pulling him in a different direction. This little menage a trois is going to get very messy. It's going to be a, a quadruple X-rated film. You know, who has... Briere ultimately has the say at the end of the day, but if he's got two very loud forces in his ears, potentially pulling him in opposite directions, and there's, you know, they present a united front there, but when push comes to shove and it comes down to the decision-making process... Who's got the power? Who's got the say? What does Briere do? What's going on? Like, there's, could definitely, you know, it's all kumbaya right now, but it may not be in a few weeks when the cards are on the table here. And and who has the say and who's doing what? I think that's an interesting little thing that will come to light sooner or later as well. Um, And I'll, I'll turn it into this. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but imagine the Flyers making the, this move at the end of last season. Imagine after the it's a retool Charlie and all the bullshit and Chuck Fletcher was not allowed to go out and get Tony D'Angelo and he was sent his marching papers and they went out and they did this. How much different would the history of this franchise be? Mm. Would they have bottomed out and been a legit lottery team, would they be at least in the top five? Probably. You know, would they know Tony D'Angelo? So you got that mm. money off of your books. And they would have made moves the trade deadline. And you've got those assets. <laughs> yeah, JVR would have been moved. You've got, yeah, would JVR have been moved, right? You got the assets from the Tony D'Angelo thing, right? The second, the third, the fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much more optimistic, how much more positive would people be going into the draft and going into next season Bingo, with Manny. this feel-good stuff, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of fans were calling for, and people were with the pitchforks and the, and the torches saying, get this guy out of here, yep. and they didn't. And because they always take their time making the decisions. Because they're collaborating and they're doing all of this stuff. They're just reactive. There's no planning. I mean, that's a great point, Manny. They should have done all of that. And honestly, if they would have, they probably would have been in the position to get a top three pick. Worst case, probably fourth, which is still going to be a great player this year. But if I had to put money on it, I would say if if that would have played out last offseason, they probably are at a top three pick right now. And that is a game changer that likely, you know, they could be in the Bedard sweepstakes now and have the number one pick that completely changes the entire trajectory of everything that this organization's doing. And yeah, it's just too little too late. That's the story of this team. It's reactive. The damage has been done. So <laughs> It doesn't matter now. They've already screwed themselves in the draft. And that goes back to just horrendous leadership, horrendous ownership, horrendous leadership, no foresight, no planning, just looking six inches in front of yourself and seeing nothing else. No peripheral vision, nothing. I mean, it's amazing. Like, imagine Breer and Jones were were full-time at the end of last season. And then Danny Breer says the word rebuild. The entire trajectory of what we endured this past season, we could be sitting here right now in a completely different landscape. 
It's it's pretty crazy to think about. It'd be a huge difference. Yeah. But fucking a day late and a dollar short. Yeah, as always. Yep, that's that's the Flyers' way, and like hopefully they're <laughs> on the right track now. But damn it, that's that's like now. That was then. This is now. If if they would have actually listened to the fans and made that effort to listen and to do the right things and all that stuff a year ago, a year mm-hmm. and a half ago, man, we would have been mm-hmm. saved so much more pain and suffering. We still have some pain and suffering to go, people. You could talk about Noah Cates being a selkie award-winning guy one oh, day, God. and all Suck this other, yeah. and all this other horse shit. But you know what? There's gonna be some pain coming because we're not ready yet. We're not there yet, and next mm-hmm. year we're not gonna be there. Yeah. And then yet next year after that, we might not be there either. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, is that pain, Manny, and this is what this is what really gets me to. And we mentioned this the other week is that that pain, the extent of it is not necessary. It's there's going to be some pain because that's going to happen regardless during rebuild. But they made the pain worse because they couldn't figure out their fucking head from their ass for so many (laughs) years in a row. That's the problem. They're a bunch of fucking morons that were running this team for a decade straight, particularly in the past one to two calendar years, and they made it worse on themselves. It's not organically this way by any means whatsoever. This is inorganic pain that is being done right now, and it's all their fault. (laughs) 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 That's the thing. It's really not something it's like, oh, we're just going to organically go into this natural course for rebuild. No, this is not natural. You dug the grave way deeper than it had to be dug. Now figure out a way to accelerate and get the fuck out of it. That's true. That's why, like, that's what they need to do now. You know, it's like, I know that not all, actually, most of these guys were here for the whole thing. Granted, Dan Hilferty was not here and Keith Jones wasn't here. The rest of them, they were all here for this shit. So, like, figure out a way to get out of it. And, like, that's where, like, it's really going to fucking push me. It's like, my patience is almost non-existent with this because of the composition of who's, who's still in the front office, you know? Make some heads roll here. Bring in a capologist. Fire Barry Hanrahan. Figure out who a better assistant general manager should be. Like, do those things. I don't know if they will, but I think that they should. Yeah, they're, that it, 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 it's the underlying part for me that I just can't buy into Briere and Jones without there being moves to reciprocate their intentions to me, you know, running everything else back, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of good grace here. This organization has from the fans because the, the empty words aren't doing it for me right now. And, you know, hopefully when the off season rolls around and, and they shake things up, I mean, I believe Anthony said that they still have interest in somebody like Camerganato to come in and, you know, take up another role and shit like that to see what they're doing. So maybe they're the front office hirings are not done. The the face value ones are, but maybe the rest of the overhaul isn't quite done yet. So I guess we'll have to see what happens there as far as the rest of the front office. But yeah, there are a lot of people in this organization, players and coaches that have a lot of blood on their hands over the, the guilt over the last few years still. And um if they get moved, if they get fired, whatever the case is for a lot of these guys, um, there's a lot of work to do, a lot of trust to regain. And, you know, we'll see. 
over the course of the next uh, few weeks and months. Whether they try and course correct any of that or just sweep it all under the rug and hope everyone forgets. But uh, spoiler alert, everyone. Freaking Flyer does not forget. No, we do not. And you know, and you know what? And you know what? They, I, I, I just thought of something positive to think about. I don't think that they can run it back. Oh, With, never say never, Manny. No, no. I'm, and let me explain. So the excuses for running it back, there is, there are none. Danny Breer was here all of last season as a special assistant to the general manager. There is no assessment period. There is no let's see what we got. It's called, you know what you got. Get off your ass and do something. Period. We're in a rebuild. You said rebuild. You now have to do a rebuild of some kind. The other guy is Keith Jones, the new president. And what did they say repeatedly in this reps in, in the uh, press conference? He has tons of experience analyzing other teams. As a TV analyst, he knows every team inside and out. He knows how they do things. He knows the players. He knows this. He knows that. And he knows the Flyers, too. So there is no analysis or, a, you know, a period of let's let's assess what we have with Keith Jones. Keith Jones knows what's on this team. There's no excuses. I My leash for this new front office I literally, it's, it's, I want to see what they do this off season. Oh yeah. One off they season. have to yep. do something right now. This off season, yeah. they got to do something. We need there to see what no, we have. <laughs> yeah. There is no assessment period. There is no line. There is no, uh, oh, well, you know, we, the, the market conditions. <laughs> yeah. and this, no, no, I don't want to. Well, point. there's, there's forest fires in Alberta and the smoke is going into the United States and I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear any of this nonsense. You guys are both very knowledgeable about the players on this team and what they can do and what type of team and organization you want to build. You got to start making moves. I want at least one. Give me one. That's such a good point, Manny. That's such a great point. Like, there's no way that they can say we need an assessment period. Keith Jones literally calls and analyzes every single (laughs) game. Like, like if they brought in somebody from the outside, they go, oh, we got to, we need to see what we have for years. <laughs> it's like, you can't, you've watched more games than fucking anybody and analyzed more than anyone here. So like, there is no time a waste in here. Like and they all said on. that. They yeah. all said that. Hilferty said that. Camillo said that. Yeah. They all said that. So there is no dilly dallying and, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips. Yeah. It's called get to work. This off season, I want to see some things getting done. Yep. <laughs> we got to see how the season plays out. Like, I gotta, well, I haven't been here, so I'm not sure. It's like, no, you've been intimately involved in watching all of this. We all know it. <laughs> we want to consult with the doctor for Ryan Ellis. See what's <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Fucker out of here. <laughs> um, maybe you guys can explain this one to me. So I know that Anthony DeMarco was on and he talked about potentially trading Ryan Ellis to a team that, you know, might want the LTIR cap hit like in Arizona or whatnot. What benefit is this of the Flyers? What do the Flyers get to gain out of this? Well, they don't get hit with this fucking LTIR cap overages like they did this year. 
yeah, I don't know. Okay. It just seems like in a, like they would relieve themselves of the administrative burden only. Like that's the only thing I can think of, which should be meaningless. Can we just get that guy a Home Depot gift card and just fucking move on? Tell him to retire. Yeah. Just here, here's a thousand dollar Home Depot gift card, Ryan. Go, go get some perennials, and uh, we'll we'll keep in touch. Okay, don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> so somebody's gonna ask. Oh my god! So imagine, imagine somebody asks like Danny Briere how Ryan Ellis is doing this offseason. It's like, oh, he's progressing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> times have we heard that? Oh, no. It is, you know, there is, I I could see them wanting, if they're hell-bent on cleaning up their salary cap like they say they were, like it's Jones's job that he's going to do, I could see them trying to ditch Ellis and just get rid of that LTIR in general. I'm not not a fucking capologist here. There's all these ins and out rules to how LTIR actually works, but it clearly is dinging them something, you know, as part of the overages this season, and... If they're going to ride right up against the salary cap again this year, well, then they got to figure it out. You know, I, I think they, I don't know if they do it, because I would assume you have to give up a fucking asset or two to make it happen. And right. Again, that goes against the whole rebuild philosophy in the first place. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really necessarily matter if they keep him on fucking LTIR for the year. It's just more of a, um, you know, paper transaction than anything. But I don't know. I, uh, that's, that's supposedly one of the things, if they're hell-bent on cleaning up the cap, I could see it, but I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's a, a top the priority list as far as shit that needs to get done this summer. Um, yeah, I guess, how does it help the team that acquires him? They, they obtain LTIR so they can use that to meet the cap floor, but then it comes off the books and they can use it during the season to get better. Like, I'm not sure how that would work or why that's, that's advantageous. Yeah. It's like that's why Arizona clocks, uh, players like that mm-hmm. they pay them without, you know, they, they get to that floor without actually having to, uh, pay them or carry their cap hit or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And even team like Arizona now, I mean, they're, they're going to be transitioning out of that phase, you know, I think pretty soon. I mean, when theoretically, but it's also the coyotes and (laughs) yeah, you never really know what burned it down about five or six times. now. every time they seem to get to this stage, so they've been in an (laughs) assessment period for fucking 12 years now, it seems. Yeah. At least fucking 12 years. Jesus. Yeah. But I mean, there was a, you know, Vegas took on Shea Weber because it made sense for them cap-wise, ultimately, to mm-hmm. navigate that stuff. So there are yeah. teams that, especially with the fucking flat cap still being a goddamn pain in the ass here, um, there are probably people that are a lot smarter than I am when it comes to this kind of stuff that could explain it better. But th- there's clearly some purpose it serves for other teams to invest in, you know, a-, a LTIR guy like Ellis where it would behoove the Flyers to get rid of him a little bit to... uh save themselves the LTIR cap that um, bit them in the ass mm-hmm. for two years in a row with overages. So. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, the only thing I could see is like like if it's not an Arizona, like a contender that takes on the LTIR to hit to hit a cap benchmark at some point or just or just take it generally and then get it off the books for the season, free up that money, and then trade for like a veteran who's on an expiring contract that's going to be over at the end some of the level season, of but... man- manipulation there. Yeah. Right. And that veteran's going to come and actually play for you. And you can use all that Ryan Ellis money to pay that veteran who has a high cap hit anyway. So it's kind of like you're swapping Ellis 
for an actual player of substance to come in that has a high cap hit. That's the only thing that I could see happening. And that's maybe what like a Vegas would do something like that. Um, but the problem with that is, is that Ellis has multiple years left. So you're going to have to be doing that, you know, that, that dance of musical chairs over and over again, if you're that team. Uh, and, and that just won't happen. You know, it's just, it's just too complicated to do for more than maybe one year at a time. What's more impressive, the fact that we predicted that uh, Hilferty would be at this press conference, you know, at least a month ago, or that Steve Urkel was wearing an Edmonton Oilers jersey at the at the oh uh, at the, at the hockey game in the playoff game the other day? Steve oh Urkel, remember that guy? Yeah. My God, family matters, man. Did That's I? That's a great do that? show. Did you see? <laughs> I think it was a Jay Fresh thing, uh, the uh, the Vesnas, I guess, where he collected. I guess he had all of the like main uh, analytics guys weigh in on what they would have ranked with the Vesnas or something like that, based on a certain stat, like expected goals against whatever, whatever their model showed, and all like eight of them were different arrangements. And I'm like, so if your model is accurate, and I'm supposed to believe you, why are all eight of your models different orders than? I don't know. This is one of those things about analytics that just uh, drives me nuts that every creator has a different formula that is all different from each other. Why would I believe your bullshit if none of your bullshit aligns with other people's bullshit? It's not math. That's no. just gimmicks. Because everybody model. has the <laughs> proprietary yeah, exactly. their model. Yeah. Dumb. Fucking analytics. There's no model that's going to crack a code for a game that has the fluidity like hockey. I mean, there's helpful helpful stats and things that can point you in the right direction. But there's, there's no secret recipe for this. There just can't be. I, I was talking to some buddies about who should win the Vesna, And, uh, you know, there's a good case to be made for Halibut and there's, you know, Sorokin and there's all kinds of, and then one of my friends just turned to me and said, dude, all Mark's record, like his win loss record you can't not give it to him. And I'm sitting there thinking about it, like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You can put any freaking advanced yeah, stat. You can put whatever goal saved above average and all this other stuff. And yeah, I know Winnipeg wouldn't have got to the playoffs if it wasn't for Halibut, but really, you can't argue with how many wins Linus Allmark got this year. You just can't. So he's automatically going to win. God, I can't believe Boston just shit the bed in round one. Olmark had uh, a 40 wins, six losses, one overtime loss. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. 40 wins and oh, 40 oh. nimes game played. With 938 a save percentage, a 189 goals against. Holy that has fucking merciful. You Jesus. have to give him that. And, and that's the thing is there's going to be people online, and I'm going to be very eager to see this, where they're going to argue, yeah, but so-and-so had this goal saved above average, and Allmark only Who's had he Soros was a name that popped up on a lot of those people. I'm like, fucking who's he Soros? What the fuck are yeah. they doing this year? <laughs> like, he didn't make the playoffs is what he did. Uh, these stats are historical. I mean, these 40 and 6, 938, yeah. 1.89, that is, un- I mean... That's in the record books. Like, like I don't. I, I, this is a this is open and closed as far as I'm concerned. Hellebuck had uh, 37 wins in 64 games, a 2.49 goals against, and 9.20 save percentage. 
which is very good, but not even fucking close to what Walmart did. Yeah. Like, there's no arguing. Like, you could sit there with any stat you want to paint the picture that somebody else other than Allmark should win, but you're still wrong. I think Sam Erson should win. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, Ivan Fedotov in the uh, Siberian Penal League uh, had some <laughs> great stats, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, apparently he's not coming over. Well, there's yeah, been any sucks. official, official one on that, but... Uh, that was always the uh, intrigue I had. Theoretically, I, I believe the service age is a mandatory one year and a 26. And Fedotov served as one year and is 26. So theoretically, you know, he should be good to go. But apparently, it's like, you can stop serving military time, but you're also not allowed to leave. Like, you can stop, but you have to go play for SKA for the rest of your life. Was he the one that tried to, like, manipulate that service card or something? Yes. Yeah, so, I, so they're punishing Alex, him, most likely. Alex Appleyard posted a thing about that, saying, you know, people are all talking about if these Russian players can come over or not, but he did get caught with, you know, a fake ID and, and like, fake documents somebody else get that, that too? he served. And was it Caprizo that he got hit with that? Or there was definitely more than one player that got hit with that this year. No, they all I'm made sure. it over, but I think Fedotov was the only one that got there. Yeah, there was a rumor about punished. that, Dan. I think you're right, with like Kaprizov or like Panarin or somebody. Or... Yeah, somebody else had that problem. But it may have. I think it. I think it went away. There was a rumor about it. Kaprizov, but it, it yeah, he made it. Away. He made it over, so something fucking happened. But I don't know. Maybe how about you get out of the fucking country before you sign your goddamn contract? You yeah, idiot. the hell's yeah. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to Dominican for for a trip. Like that's yeah, all, yeah. and then from Dominican you go to the states, right? Fucking swim to, to the Canada. states. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to trial on the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Mitchkov is going to be at the draft. I was about to mention. Really? That's oh, what yeah, they said. Yeah. Are you serious? So that would tell me that he's interested in being an NHL player one day. That would change things a little bit if he's actually at the draft, because then it shows inability to go back and forth At least based upon theoretically NHL yeah. on ongoings. Yeah. But I saw that tweet and apparently his representative's last name, Fedotov. I did see that. It took me <laughs> so a minute was, to figure was, out what the hell I was, I was like. Yeah. Are they trolling us or what? So there was a rumor. Gosh, I don't know if this is, is true or not. There was a rumor going around that. So, so Mitch Koff's, father uh was found dead in a pond yes like a month or two ago and everyone's like what the fuck is going on with this and the rumor was that he was killed because he was trying to get his son out of his khl contract yeah i have i have no idea if that's true or not but but yeah there's always that the, uh, could make sense possibility uh, that he's trying to say look my kid could be like you know like the number number two or number three of all pick and probably make a lot more money more than anything. Yeah. yeah, in the U.S. So let's figure out a way to do that. And he was putting pressure on folks in the KHL, and things turned south. And they said enough of this, and that's what happened. You do got to assume, and, and listen, I don't know what happened here, but you got to assume there was at least some level of foul play involved from some angle. Here, oh God, yeah, um, yeah. You know that that got it, and it you know it makes sense. Um, somebody. Uh, Somebody didn't like what they were doing. Some with uh, something or other. So I don't know, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I uh, wonder if that's who the Flyers trade up for. Go get Mitch Conn. Carlson goes three, fourth overall, San Jose. You go, San Jose, we want Mitchkov. If Mitchkov is at the draft, I would trade up for him. If Mitchkov is at the draft, if Danny Briere doesn't chloroform him <laughs> and just drag him to the yeah. you know skate zone at Voorhees mm-hmm. after drafting him and saying, dude, you're not going back to Russia, I'd be very disappointed. And that would be a fireable offense, by the way. You draft him and you don't freaking kidnap him and keep him here. Yeah, you can't really let him go back to Russia. No, you, fucking you force draft him. him you, right? you force him to sign his ELC, or Keith Jones will punch him in the stomach. You can stay in Sean Couturier's house for a little while. And... Yeah. So, so here's a question for you guys. So, I mean, this goes he back to <laughs> the NHL honoring the KHL contracts, and that is only done through what, like a. Um, like a memorandum of understanding, which is no or, longer existent yes. after the uh, yeah, current, uh, which is now defunct. Yes, and is not. I mean, fuck it. Like, how how the fuck is that thing enforceable? You know, and what is the repercussions for breaking that MOU? Let's say the, let's say the Flyers draft him at the draft, like you guys are saying, and. They say, look, you're not going back to the KHL. Here's an here's an entry level contract. You're staying in Voorhees. Let's get on with it. What are the repercussions from the KHL in that situation? I, I think it's just a, a tit for tat kind of thing. So basically, there is no agreement between the KHL and the NHL anymore. So that's a problem. Yeah. So basically, what they want to do is. You, you don't want a guy like Mitch Koff saying, you know what, I know I got a couple years left here, but screw you, I'm going to the NHL. On the same token, they don't want a Russian player in the NHL saying, you know what, fuck this team, I'm leaving, and I'm going to the KHL, and I'm going to sign money, even though I'm under contract to this team. They want to avoid that entire thing on both sides. So it's basically an unwritten thing of, listen, the player signed on your end, if they're a free agent, then they're fair game. But if they're not, then I mean, didn't a guy like I don't know if it's the same thing. What about like Sedlak? Wasn't he on the Flyers this year? Lucas Sedlak, and then he said, "I just like I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going back to Europe." Well, it was just a contract termination. Though. Same thing with Hogberg. Hogberg said, "Fuck you! I'm not getting any playing time. I don't want to be here and left." Um, you know, they get their mutually agree to terminate their contract and move on. It's not, you know, overly common, but it happens quite a few times a year in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, if the NHL wants to play with that, I would imagine. So let's play that scenario out. If I'm if I'm the NHL, I say, fuck it. I'm going to call your bluff because 90 percent of the time these Russians are going to want to stay in this league and not go back to Russia. And if they do, then so be it. Then we're fucked with them. But, you know. How often is that going to happen? You know, if you have your superstar, our superstars make more money than their superstars, right? Yeah. Our mid, our mid-level players make more money than their mid-level players. I think our bottom players also make more than their bottom players. Um, I guess there probably is some level that goes on where you know you might be able to make more in the KHL than here, 
But I bet if you're among that, the best of the best, I'm sure there may be more uh, yeah. rubles in it for you. But given the yeah. ruble is fucking worth dirt these days, you may uh, more times even than then. not the NHL contracts are going to be more favorable for those players. Yeah. So if you're in the position of strength, then you say fuck it, fuck the MOU. If if players want to break their contract and leave, then we'll take that chance. But we're going to pay them more here. It's going to be better here than over there, and we're going to roll with that, and then see what happens. I mean, if somebody like Michkov doesn't even want to go back to Russia when they get here, I mean, what the fuck are they going to do? You know, you, you can keep them here and set them up here and do his, I don't know how the fucking, you know, work. He's got no family like over that there or, Yeah, he just killed all his fucking family. He's got no one to go back to. But uh, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know how that works out. Some fucking that, action movie shit. That's the problem, though, is that these guys go back there in the summer and they go and they've got a place there and they live there in the summer and they work out there. And then, you know what? The chance of them being able to be allowed to leave and come back. Exactly. Yeah. That's a big problem. You got to get a commitment that you're just going to live your life here, you know, during an NHL career and say, hey, you know, hey, Mitchkoff. We're going to make an offer here. We're going to draft you. I mean, talk to, I don't know if he has an, I'm, I'm assuming he has an agent over here, maybe, um, if he's going to be at the draft. I'm certainly, he has, an, he has a U.S. agent and say, look, we're going to draft you. We're going to give you an ELC. We want you to play for our franchise for the next eight or 10 years. After that, you can go back to Russia, but we want at least a verbal commitment that you're not going to leave the country. <laughs> it's like a Cuban defector in baseball. Yeah. Once they, once they make that choice and they go to the United States or Canada, that's it. They know that they're never seeing their family again. They're never going back to Cuba again. And that's the price that you pay for making millions of dollars and yeah. living a great life. Well, I don't think Mitchkoff would go back anyway because of the KHL contract. I mean, he would not. He'd be like, fuck it. I'm just done. You know, like, he would never have an incentive. If he wants to go to his summer cottage on fucking whatever lake is up in Siberia, um, you know, he's not going to do that. He's going to say, look, if I go back there, I'm under contract in the KHL. You know, I, I'm going to get stranded there and my career's over. So I might as well play out the next decade here in the States. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty hardcore, but I mean, there's a lot of hardcore shit going on over there now, too. So it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if. You know, I mean, the days of playing nice with the KHL are over, as far as I'm concerned. Pretty much, at least for the time being, yeah. And I don't know. So, the whole Fedotov thing, then you goddamn kill his dad for one reason or another. You know, you got to wonder where the loyalties lie at this point. If he's going to be in the States for this one and signs his ELC, I mean, what the hell's there to go back to? You know, they can't enforce shit if he's here in the U.S., so he just <laughs> can't ever go back home. Hey, we have Skype now, right? We know what that is. I guess Russia yeah. have Skype, probably. Texting. Telegraphs. Before the rest of them, you know, you know I don't know that I'm going to make that joke. Continue. <laughs> what, if they, what, if, what if they demand, like, a, like an ex- a prisoner exchange? <laughs> so it's like we get Mitchkoff, and you know what? We'll give you Travis Sanheim. <laughs> Send over be like Sandy. Yeah. An international incident. That'd be crazy. <laughs> but now, now that we know that we're drafting number seven, Dan, do you take Mitchkov at seven and roll the dice? I still <sighs> is he at the draft or not as part of the question. 
Let's see. Is that the draft? Okay. I'm not. I'm not opposed to the idea, but if we're talking results, and we want this team to have some level of fucking idea what they're doing moving forward, I still am not comfortable taking that swing and potential miss. And we talked about this on Flyers AD because I saw somebody bring it on Twitter. It's a good point. You know, Nolan Patrick. You know, the Flyers were gifted that top pick. They drafted somebody who was a complete and total fucking bust and was gone. And it impacted them substantially at the time and still currently because you swung and missed on that pick. And having somebody on this team like Will Smith, who's here and contributing, even if he doesn't end up being a tippy-top guy, having an additional top six player here that's going to be here and playing within the next two or three, you know, uh, I guess he's got a year in college, so you know, two years' time, and being here and moving on holds some weight versus, you know, Mishkov is the better player. It's undoubtedly true. If all else was equal this year, he'd probably go second overall. But without that commitment, I do not want to invest that in him. If you moved up, if they somehow acquired San Jose's fourth overall pick and drafted him without giving up the seventh, and it's a bonus, you know, a risk that you're taking, you know, it's a different story. I I think I would do that. But I, I just don't think you can draft Michkov's seven overall and then not draft again until the third round it's just, it's the level of risk that I get it. If it pays off, it's great. In three years time, Mitchkov may be here and it may work, but if he's not here, you fucked yourself. And I don't think the Flyers organization is in a position to be taking that level of risk when there is a very clear side of it may not pan out. Um, and you're waiting three years for this fucking guy anyway. You know, if he comes over and he's Caprizov one day, well, you say, well, God damn it, you could have had it, but... You know, we have this other guy here that was here and contributing, and hopefully you're building something by then. But I, I just, I, I, it sucks. It sucks because it could be something. But at the end of the day, it's a risk that I just don't think this organization needs to take if he's here at seven. And, you know, who even knows? I, I, you know, in the real world, I have no idea if he's going to fall to seven. He very well might. You know, maybe a team like I could. I don't think he's getting past Arizona. I think they're going to take a shot on that guy one way or the other because the yeah. Coyotes don't have fucking anything to lose one way or the other, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to be there at seven. But if he is, like, it sucks. But I, I, I'm still pretty much in the no category on there. Hmm. What is the um? What's the military service commitment, Manny? Are you familiar with that in terms of what they have to do? Theoretically, is he still eligible? It's mandatory one year. Yeah. Yeah. Has he done that yet? I don't think so. I feel like we would have heard about it if he did. I don't think he has. I mean, so that's the hang-up I have, is I need to kind of understand some clarification it's before the age that. of 26, by the way. Yeah, because if, like 18 you know, regardless of what Fedotov did with the fake IDs and all of that, you know, hullabaloo, um, wouldn't Fedotov have had to have done that anyway as part of even the Flyers' understanding of his eligibility was at some point he was going to have to take a year to do military yeah. service before he comes over. So what's he going to do? Play goalie, you know, for four years over there and then, you know, do one year in the military, then play goalie again and come back here. Like, how does that timeline work with a lot of these, like, like Kaprizov, like I just haven't researched it enough. Like at, at what point did he do his military service? Was it before he started playing hockey Let's or after? 
because that's the thing with him too is obviously you know let's say it all works out and you know he gets out of his khl contract in what 2026 and he wants to come over and say oh you gotta do your military service so he's got to go fucking spend a year doing that crap So that's what I worry about with it. But I'm sure that 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 question has been answered to some extent with some of these other guys. I just I just don't know how that compares to Mitchkoff. Like I think Kaprizov is probably a good example because he's a high caliber player and there's going to be information on it. Um, so, yeah. See, I remember reading uh, Timu Solani's book and he talked about uh, that guy's the- a real piece of shit these days, man. I- yeah, I mean he fucking douchebag. He's ends on stuff, but um, he talked about having to do the military service before going to the NHL, and the Winnipeg Jets were furious that he chose to do the military service. But he's like, "Listen, I do it. Like, it's if you want me to come over, it's part of of doing business here." Um, but there was, I thought there was another prominent Finn that is actually going right now. Because they're not playing right now, and they're going to do the military service. Right I think now. Nico Heischer did it last year, and with uh, Switzerland or whatever. There was like mandatory one. There was one of the Devils players that had mandatory Maybe one that they were doing during summer. Kaprizov did have problems. Uh, Kaprizov did have problems with the fake military ID last summer as well. Um, okay, that's what I'm reading up on here. But I don't. Uh, I don't know if it. Uh, I can't find anything about him actually serving time or not. Yeah, that's the question is, at what point in time do Russian players that eventually migrate to the NHL... Do they just migrate before before they're they're too young and they leave and then they come back when they're like 27 and they go, oh, well, it's not mandatory anymore. Is that how that works? Or is it it an honor system thing? Like, if you're uh, the Europeans, you know, the Finnish and Swedish and Christ, you know, whatever else is going on over there, you know, if they just don't come back or don't... You know, are, are they still required to serve? I, I don't know how that works out. I don't. I don't know enough about uh, mm. mandatory yeah, service and shit like that. Because Oli Mata had to go back. Yeah, Mata was one of them. Yeah, really? So okay. Like now, yeah. So I think I think the Finns are a little bit more accommodating, where they go. You know what? We know that you are going to do it, but we'll give you like you could do it like you know four months here, four months there, another four, and then you're done. Or you can hmm. do two six month stints. Like they don't want to impact your NHL career, your hockey career. So they'll okay. there'll be a little bit of leeway. You still have to do it though. Hmm. And that's I think interesting that the players take it upon themselves to say, you know what, I am gonna do it because it's part of, you know, citizenship and it's part of giving back and what you gotta do. It's part of your responsibility, right? So I but think like, it's interesting that players do that. What about like Ivan Provorov or like Igor Zamula, people that have been in North America for a majority of their lives, you know, they're still technically Russians. They're do, Russian do, do they yeah. serve? Is that uh, I, I I do not know enough about any of this stuff to Yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, there's got to be an exemption or, or not even an exemption, just that they uh well, I guess I guess Provorov is I don't know when the last time we went back there was, but I have no um, idea if he goes back there during this. I think he used to go back during the yeah, summer. Yeah, he used to. Mm-hmm. But I, I yeah. don't know if he's done it since the pandemic. 
But I mean, the guy's been here since like fourteen. Same as Zamula. Zamula was a CHL mm-hmm. kid. You know, they're yeah. just, they've been here forever. Like, I, I don't know what the rule is for stuff like that. You know, if you're theoretically still have to serve, but if you never fucking go back home, does it <laughs> can't make you do mm-hmm. shit? So I don't. Uh, I have no. I mean, idea. you gotta unless, think. Unless unless it's because you can't. Once you're a, when you're a minor, if you leave, then I guess you're not in the country. But once you're eighteen and you're still in Russia, it's like you know what that you have to do your service yeah, it's 18 to 26 you have yeah i'm not sure what here. the trigger is mm. okay there's okay. got to be an age regulation there yeah well regardless i think we'd have to assume that the nhl teams would have a handle on that to some extent they would they'd understand um if the military service is going to be a factor in when any player, whether it's Mitch, I assume a lot of these teams have a, else. some idea of what lies ahead. And obviously, there's no guarantees, but um, you know, some idea of Mitchkov's intentions and legally and kind of getting through the loopholes and that one, what they can do. Obviously, it doesn't fucking matter if he goes over and then they kidnap him. There's fucking you're fucked anyway, right? <laughs> but you know, there's got to be some level of basic understanding that if you're drafting him, this is what the, the kind of planned intentions are with the guy. If he shows up at the draft, I would have to think that there is some level of momentum that would allow him um, flexibility to go back and forth. Um, I mean, now the question is, is there a level of confidence, you know, that you're going to have in this um, in terms of that, continuing to operate over the next couple of years. It's I don't about know. Three years. It's 2026 that his contract ends. It's a long fucking time. 